0: why were we put here i think everyone wants to know why were we put here why are we on earth my purpose in life is to um to live a normal life to to be uh, a citizen a productive citizen I don't fully know why I'm here, but I enjoy that. I enjoy knowing that, because then that creates endless possibilities for myself. I believe it's random, to be honest. I don't think there's a plan. I think you make your own destiny. Intentar pasar por la vida de la manera más desapercibida posible. I would like to make a difference. Even if it's only in one life, I'd prefer to do more. Love, happiness, joy, yoga. I think oftentimes you you realize what the purpose was more by looking back than than looking forward in my way. Some people plan ahead and know exactly what their life is, uh, what their purpose in life is, in their mind anyway. I find direction in life by just meditating daily, um, just coming out here to the beach. Whether it be spending time with friends or family or uh, putting some gas in my boat so I can go fishing and catch a few fish, go home, have a fish fry, uh, I live day by day and I like to take it like that. Society wants you to think that your life's purpose is all about work and making money and uh, moving forward from that direction, but uh, I think that's wrong and I'm still trying to figure out what's right for me. I'd say that because I think the meaning of life, in my opinion, is to find something that you're passionate about and use that passion to make the world around you a better place. I I think everyone has a reason to live, everyone offers something to this world, whether it be bad, whether it teaches people to be good, or whether... um, They're good themselves, but I think everyone has a purpose on this planet. In just a second, we're going to take the morning offering, but I can tell you, the purpose of life is not yoga. (laughs) You may love it. I've tried it. I don't like it. And you don't want to see this doing yoga. You see this doing yoga, you'll pray for God's return in a heartbeat. (laughs) Well, let's pray together as we prepare our hearts to receive offering and and see what God wants to do with it. God, as we get together and as we come to worship you and to, to spend time together as a family, but also to just sit under your word, God, we want to hear you. But God, we also thank you for an opportunity to give back to worship you in this way that you would take our offerings and our tithes and, and use it to see people come to know you and to surrender their lives to you and to see the naked clothed and those who are hungry fed and God use it. Just We offer our five loaves and two fish and we ask that you would just do the miraculous with it. Thank you for an opportunity to get to do this and maybe give with uh, genuine joy in our hearts. Uh, so thank you for your provisions and we Pray that you would take our offering and do great things with it, we pray in your name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Well, if, if this is your first time, my name is Brian. I am not the senior pastor, obviously. Uh, I, get to be one of the, I get to be one of the pastors here at the church. I work mostly with young adults. and So it's just great having you here. Um, and if you've been here forever, uh, I'm still that same person. So what you're going to notice in your program is Exodus chapter 3. But here's the problem. Like a week and a half ago, I was all about it. Uh, even last night, I'm typing out notes. And I'm like, oh, that'll preach. That'll preach. And then on the way in, I'm like, that's not it. I mean, it's kind of, then you can feel the pressure, right? Because it's kind of like, well, if you prayed about it, then God gave you the passage and now he's changing. Are you sure you heard God the first time? I'm like, stop, because I already feel guilty enough. We wasted ink for no reason, but we're not going to go Exodus chapter three. Because here's the thing. I got to confess something to you. Have you noticed that nothing, like the endings of the book don't change? Every story still, it ends the same way. Like the flood still happened. No matter how often I preach about Noah, there's a flood. And no matter how many times I preach about David and Goliath, the Goliath still gets jacked up and dies. And while Elijah with the fire coming down and burning the altar still happens every time. <sighs> Jesus dies on a cross, comes back from the dead. What? I didn't know that. you got to read your Bible. But it all is the same thing. And so think about it. Like, as a pastor, I'm supposed to take this book. I'm not supposed to add anything to it. But for some reason, and this doesn't come from anyone here. It doesn't come from anyone I've ever talked to. I just It's on myself. I, got, I have this pressure on me to find that nugget. You know that nugget? It's kind of like no one's ever seen this before. And so when people walk out going, there it is. That's why I came this morning. So as I'm coming in, I'm like, well, God, like, what do you want? And it's kind of like this. We're looking at, we're starting this new series called uh, Explore God. And, and the first one is, well, what's my purpose? Like, what's the, what's the purpose to life? And so I was just going to go Exodus 3, and there were some nuggets in there. And I thought, oh, that'll preach. That'll go well. And then, But I, I don't think I ever answered the question. So as I'm driving in, I just felt like this question just kept coming to my mind. If, say, a youth or a young adult or some adult came up to you and said, hey, Brian, well, what's the purpose of life? What would you say? Would you just jump into Exodus chapter 3 and start giving them nuggets? Or would you just tell them the truth, just straight up, whether or not we've heard it before? Like I said, you all didn't put any pressure on me. I put on myself to find the nuggets. And I just felt like God was saying, just take it back to simplicity. Like w- number one and number two, let's go with those. The first and second greatest things. And so we're just going to jump in and so you can still take notes on that blank section, but just read Exodus 3 for a quiet time because you'll probably get more out of it than if I preached it. But grab your pen, grab something to write with, write on. And then, and, and then um, I'm pretty, I was told they have the, the verses on behind me, but even if they don't, like grab your Bibles. Remember those? Remember those things? We used to bring them, we used to open them up, write in them. And if they're on your phone or your tablet, fantastic. Pull those out. If you don't have one, there's one right in front of you. Book of Mark, chapter 12, as you're turning there, there was something I did read for the, when I was going to go Exodus chapter 3. Uh, Richard Dawkins is a big fan of Jesus in the church. I'm just joking. He can't stand us. He doesn't believe in God. and so, But I know he's brilliant. And so even when I quote stuff from him, and then I'm going to kind of challenge him. I'm kind of sitting there going, oh, I kind of feel like I'm a kindergartner trying to tell a college prof how to teach calculus. I just don't feel like I'm qualified because really... I'm not an evolutionary biologist, I'm a pastor, and some people even question whether or not I'm that. And so it's just kind of like, ah, I'm not the smartest guy. But I, I was reading this quote where he's talking about purpose. And he says this, it's like something like, he says, we've got purpose on the brain. It's like every single time something bad happens, we're trying to ask the question, why? Or something good, we're asking the question, why? He said, we have purpose in the brain. And then he uses this, this phrase to kind of, it, he kind of gives this reason as to why. He says this, it's an almost universal delusion. An almost universal delusion that we have this idea of purpose. It's almost universal because there is this minority of people that don't believe in purpose because they don't connect it to God because they don't believe in God. So I guess I, just, I was just sitting there. And I, like I said, I'm not the smartest person on the planet. I don't totally get all these arguments and things that we're talking But I just kept sitting there going, okay, let me think like a little kid because they seem to have some great wisdom. If... The majority of the people on the planet believe in a concept of purpose. Might it be that we were created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose? Like if, if the majority, if like 10% of the population out of the 7 billion people on the planet are saying that the majority of us are delusioned we actually believe in purpose. You know that purpose, that, one, that, that thing that wakes you up in the morning? Here's the reason why I exist. It's not just to hit the alarm clock, go out, make a living, come home, make some money, have some kids, live somewhere, and then hopefully we'll die peacefully, not like something violent or painful, but like you fall asleep and then boom, you're gone. But that means, just pretend that the, the 7 billion people minus the 10%, what if we're delusional? Wouldn't you prefer to be delusional? Then to be the enlightened one that thinks and looks around and goes, there's no purpose. Why are you here? No reason. What are you going to do with your life? Who cares? All right. Well, it's great talking to you. I just feel like conversations kind of end there. Your opinion shouldn't matter because my view of truth and your view of truth, they can both be right, even though they contradict each other. There's no truth anywhere, really. And so the things that I hold to, so say I hold to social justice, I can't push social justice on everyone because if it's all relative, what you say, if you want to oppress everyone, and I'm saying you should free everyone, well, who am I to tell you? So How about you play in your playground? I'll play in my playground, and that's where we have to leave it. So like I said, I'm not the smartest person on the planet, but I think I prefer not to be enlightened so that I can live in hope, so that I can live in purpose. I mean, isn't it great for those of you that you kind of, now, if you come here this morning going, I came here so that Brian could tell me what my purpose is, it's not going to happen. I don't know how to tell you what your purpose is, like your specific call. I don't know. But it's so great. I can just speak personally because I, I know me. So I love the fact that I get to wake up and go, what are we doing today? Like, what is it today, God? What do we get to do today? I love having a purpose because then it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm working all year so that I can spend two weeks on vacation. Like, my, think about it. Most of our lives are spent doing a job and getting paid for that job. And a lot of you maybe here are sitting there going, okay, I work hard so I can have two weeks of vacation. We can go wherever we, wherever we want and do whatever we want and then back to the grind. And I hate my life. But what have you connected it to purpose? What have you connected it to the fact that maybe God has something for us to do? So we're in Mark chapter 12. It has nothing to do with Exodus chapter 3, but Mark chapter 12. you got to picture it so a scribe comes walking up to Jesus And ask him this question. Hey, what's the most important thing? The most important commandment. I mean, the number one commandment. Jesus, what is it? And he's coming up to test him. It's not like because he's curious. He's coming up to test him. Because every, every pious, every religious, I mean, just committed Jewish person in this day would know what it is. And so he's coming up to test him. But I mean, this is the time. So if you're in the crowd and someone comes walking up to Jesus and Jesus has been teaching things and he's been doing healings and he's amazing and you're sitting there listening the scribe comes up and says, hey, what's the most important commandment you could ever, you could ever tell us? What's the most important thing we could remember? At that moment, you stop. You shut up your friends because he's about to say, this is the meaning of life. This is the purpose. This is what it's all about. So pay attention. And I know it's important because it's in red. And so this is exactly what Jesus says, he says Jesus answered, he said this. The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Why does he start off that way? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What's he doing? He's quoting what's called the Shema. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is what every religious, pious Jewish person, six times a day, they would recite this out loud. Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Six times, so you say it, then boom. And a few hours later, say it again. A few hours later, you say it again. And I know that we can look at that and go, man, there's so much into like religious stuff. I mean, it just sounds like a ritual where they're going through, but think about it. How amazing would it be? How would it change your life and mine? If every day... Six times a day, we reminded ourselves of this truth. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I shall love God with everything that I have. How would it change? How would it change you if every day you also connected to this? The Lord is one. I'm going to love Him with everything because He loves me with everything. How would it change your life? Yesterday I was having this quiet time. I'm going through the book of Deuteronomy. And I read this in chapter 32, verse 9. It says, the Lord's portion is his people. That's the Lord's portion. The Lord's portion is his people. That's what I wrote in my journal. This is straight from my journal. This is straight from my quiet time. I'm not making it up. The Lord's portion is his people. And I sat there and I went, God, you get the wrong end of the deal. Because your portion is us. Like, we're just a bunch of screw-ups. We're a bunch of mess-ups. And so I don't know about you, I'm pretty insecure. I got all these things that I struggle with, with regards to myself. And so I started to write this, don't you ever feel, this was to God. And I was going to say, don't you ever feel like you're getting slighted? Well, I got to the, don't you ever feel? And I'd put dot, dot, dot. Cause I just felt like God said, stop it. And then by faith, I just wrote the things that popped into my brain. Now you can look at it and go, how do you know it's God? Well, it doesn't go against scripture. So I wrote it down and I was like, wow, God, you kind of, you ever get one of those spiritual slaps in the face or chops in the throat? And I was a slug to the gut. So he came up on me, but this is what I felt. This is what I felt I heard. Don't even finish asking the question. I'm not bound by time. I knew before all things what you would do and be like and I still took a cross don't insult me my grace or my cross by asking that question I love you since before all of time you were mine with you I have no regret you are mine and I love you that is the constant not your feelings about you your insecurities are not worth anything rest in me and I went oh I think I'm just going to be done now (laughs) and I just put it to the side I just went I didn't, God, I did not mean to insult you, your grace, or your cross. But isn't that what I do when I say, God, you got the round of the deal. As if he didn't know what he was getting into when he came for us. Jesus is asked, what's the most important thing? He says, believe there's one God, which is the first thing he says, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love him. You shall love God with everything that you have. All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything, everything about God, that he is the center point, that he is the reason that we exist. He is life. I've shared this before. Some of you guys remember it, but I, I, have you heard of this thing called Facebook? It just came out. <laughs> I just found it. <laughs> and I remember, okay, you can friend anyone. And I guess if they friend you, if they friend you online, then you guys are best friends again, which is crazy. I didn't know that. And so there's a guy that was in high school. I went to high school with him. And I talked to him a little bit, but I, it's not like we were best friends, but he, he friends me, and I'm like, oh, we're best friends again. Fantastic. And so, but we never even talked once after he befriended me. I thought, why are we friends? He didn't say anything to me. So it feels like high school. So, there, so as, as time goes on, now here's the thing with social media. I'm not against it. I'm actually, I kind of like it, but just not so that it's owning my life. But I don't understand this, and I kind of make fun of people that do it. Just know it's out of jest when I'm doing it. I don't understand the concept of taking pictures of your dinner, and then posting it online. Now I know some do it and it's fun, it's like a hobby. And if you post it, then everyone looks at it going, I am so jealous. And all you have is like a can of soup. I mean, come on. It's like, here's some clam chowder, hashtag, aren't you jealous? And you're like, nope. And then people like it. Like, okay, you didn't take the picture of the food you're just looking at somebody else's picture of the food and pushing like because your life is so boring. It's just, I don't understand it. Now again, if that's your thing, that's fine. I'm, I'm just, it's playful, so don't get mad. If you want to send an email, uh, it's peterT at purposechurch.com. Uh, it would be great. That's, that's, it, all gets, it all gets routed to me. So it's fine. But I just don't understand. So I just, I was like, okay, you know what? We're going to do Facebook. I just don't post a bunch. I don't post pictures here and there of family, but not usies. I don't, I don't sit there and go, yeah, I look good. I don't do that. But what I feel like is like, well, okay, once a day, whether it's like a quiet time or, a, or something I read in a book that's talking about Jesus or just this thought, the devotional thought, put that on there. I mean, it's just because then it just goes out to people. So I don't think it's the only thing. So I'm not like one of those weirdos. I just think, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. That's like the one thing I'm going to do. Well, this guy writes me one day, and I'm pretty sure you can unfriend someone without telling them, right? And it's like, you, you don't hit unfriend, and then Facebook says, explain to them why, so that there's a good clean break. I mean, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think they give a rip about healthy relationships. And so he, t- he actually messages me. He says, Brian, I just feel like I need to tell you why I'm not going to be your friend on Facebook anymore. <laughs> and so I yell, Kelly, come here. Hold me while I read this. <laughs> I'm about to lose a friend I never talked to. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so I'm like, oh, so I'm reading it. <laughs> and I guess for him, it's kind of like this. <laughs> I don't understand why, but here he starts. Every time you post something, it's about God. There's more to life than God. <gasps> That's the noise I made. So Kelly wiped my tears. Because I lost a friend. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, come on. Let's do this. And so I'm trying to get ready for it. You know how, because we're all brave when, we're, when it's the computer screen. We're, we're wimps when it's face to face. But it's like, you want some? Holy Spirit anoint, and you just go. (laughs) Then we're brave, but face to face, it's like, oh, that's fine, hope you have a great day. Then they walk away, jerk. I mean, we're just kind of (laughs) wimps. I didn't do a thing because I kept sitting there. The whole thing I kept reading, I just kept reading it over and over. There's more to life than God. There's more to life than God and how i believe it according to scripture and one of experiences there's no life but with god like there's nothing like i don't know where we got this concept like before you came to christ we were okay we were kind of living and we're doing pretty good and then we surrendered to jesus and then we got a better life i'm going to go with what scripture says before christ i was dead and when i surrendered to christ i'm alive God doesn't just take us and do some add-on things, but God takes what's dead and makes them alive. And so it drives me crazy when I hear people say, you know, God doesn't do the miracles anymore. The miracles are over. I sit there, if you've seen someone surrender to Jesus, you've been in the room, and they said, I want to surrender to Christ, you have seen the varsity of God's miracles right there in front of you. Every time. Every time. So I just looked, I said, there's more to life than God? I would have no life without him. Now look at the thing he tells us to do. Believe there's one God and then love him. Wait, wait. Not, okay, not just do tasks. That hopefully at the end of my life, because I did this thing, the score will be 51 to 49. I'll make it in. Boom, I'm set. But the thing, okay, the, the number one thing that God says, this is what I want you to do. There is one God. So what's this one God want for me? Just love him. That's it? People are like, I can do that. So I can just love him and do whatever I want? Absolutely. People are like, whoa, 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 wait. There's a lot of commandments. like, If you love God, you will do the things that please God doesn't mean you'll never struggle. Fact. How many of you? By show of hands, we're going to get straight up on this. Okay, not halfway kind of wimpy, but like charismatic this morning, okay? Okay, no halfway Baptist, but straight up. Here we go. How many of you over the weekend? You sinned at least once. Put it up. There you go. And then the ones who aren't. If you're sitting next to someone who didn't put their hand up, just look over and said, now you can because you lied. So now we're there. We're all there. That's all I have this morning. (laughs) Guys, we're a bunch of mess-ups and screw-ups. And the thing that God says, love him. But here's the thing. If I say I love my wife... I'm gonna do whatever's necessary to make sure she knows that she's loved. I'm not gonna do the things that irritate her or not purposefully. Because <laughs> I just learned something. I totally just learned this. I didn't know she didn't like it. I was just being playful. Not this past, not yesterday, but the week ago. We're at a soccer game, and I don't know if you noticed, it's hot. It's hot. And you ever notice when it's hot outside and you're watching soccer, you're just like, don't don't touch me. It's like, you're just just sweating. But every once in a while, I just want to like grab her knee and go, like a death grip. I never knew. She didn't like that. I thought every time she grabbed it, she just planned back. So maybe go even harder. So I did it. She's like, stop. I don't like that. I'm like, what? We've been married 17 years. What else are you holding back from me? I didn't know she didn't like it. So what, have I done it since then? No. Will I? Probably. <laughs> but if I say I love her, I'll be committed. If I say that I love her. I'm going to love her in a way that she feels loved. Not in a way that's going to make her feel like she can't trust me. I'm going to do what's necessary to love her. So if I say that I love God, then I'll do the things that please God. So there is freedom. Even Martin Luther, when he said that, he's coined the phrase, "Hey, love God, or unless it's Augustine. Love God with everything, then do whatever you want. Just love God. It's the first thing. This love affair with God. So it starts with this. I say, well, so are you telling me to have a purpose? Absolutely. You were created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Just catch that. You were created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Okay. So where does it start? You cannot experience the purpose without an encounter of the provider of the purpose. Make sense? You cannot experience your purpose. Actually, let me change that. You cannot experience his purpose for you until you have an encounter with the provider of the purpose, until you have a relationship with God. That's where it starts. Because, again, how can you have a purpose if you're dead? You have to come to Christ where he gives you life. And with that life, he's eternal life where you know God. And with that relationship with God comes what? His purpose. That's what it starts with. So if you're here this morning, you're going, I thought you were going to tell me individually. Like, what is my specific purpose? Like, I was going to walk out of here and go, I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm going to tell you this is for everyone. Every single one of us are supposed to be so madly in love with Jesus That we can't get him out of our minds. And spending time with him is a joy, not just a discipline. To love him. And when I love him, he gives purpose. And he goes from here. Love God with everything in verse 31. The second is this. The second. The guy didn't even ask for number two. But I guess if you wrote the book, you know what it is. So here comes Jesus going, hey, here's the second one. The first one's love God with everything. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Dang it. Because it's okay. I mean, isn't it easy to love God? You can't see him. He's up there somewhere. But my neighbor will, which which neighbor? Both of them? All of them. Who's your neighbor? If they're breathing, it's your neighbor. Wait, I don't know if I like this. What if we don't agree politically? (laughs) See, everyone got quiet until someone broke the silence. No, 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 because we can still keep that line, right? Because there's red and blue states. Because I'm of this political party and I really think that they don't have a chance. Because I blog about it all the time. Or I find the blog to talk about it all the time, then I can like it, so other people that are just like me will like it rather than engage in the people that I don't agree with that might not know Jesus and maybe share with them that maybe Jesus isn't of either political party because he knows that he's... King. Uh, see, the rest of you didn't like that one. Who's your neighbor? If they're breathing. And if you found any reason not to love them, I'll say this as lovingly as I can. Ready? Guys, anytime we think of any reason not to love the other person, we are a bigot. Straight up. For God so loved the world. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't decide who to love the same way we decide who to love? Aren't you thankful for that? Isn't it crazy that God could get so creative? He's like, okay, who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick to begin my church? Because there's the 12. Remember, they're in Jerusalem. Who am I going to pick? Because there's the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm going, to pick, I'm going to pick Paul. Yeah, he's the guy that's trying to single-handedly destroy my church. That guy's got some fire. Yeah, I'm going to go and knock him off of his and introduce myself to him. <laughs> and he's going to get so on fire for me that he will be unstoppable in what it is that I am calling him to do. That he'll go after those Gentiles. And he'll tell people about Jesus. Because the ultimate thing that people need is Jesus. You love God with everything. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves. Now watch the response of the guy. Actually, verse uh, uh, verse 32. The scribe said to him, You're right, teacher. (laughs) Can you imagine Jesus going, Oh, thank goodness. I wasn't quite sure if I'd get that one or not. I mean, I wrote it, but thanks for your support. You were right, teacher. Then he goes through his own little monologue, or his own little teaching time. You have truly said that he is one. You're right on that. Okay, good, because I'm him. And there is no other besides him. Good job. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, to love one's neighbors, oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You've done well. Now watch Jesus' response. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. You are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far off. It's, notice he doesn't say you're there. He doesn't say, you're it, you've done it. You've made it. He says, like you're almost there. Here's this scribe who's supposed to be teaching this quote unquote teacher. And here comes the rabbi. This is Jesus saying, you're almost there. How could he be almost there when he got the answer right? There's one thing that hit, and I didn't see it until this, past, this last service. Notice the man. The scribe, he's looking at Jesus, not understanding that it's the creator of the universe. He's not understanding, he's looking into the face of the one who knit him together in his mama's womb. He's not realizing that this is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's not really realizing that this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not understanding that he's looking into the face of God. And so when Jesus is done speaking, because he doesn't recognize the creator, he calls him what? Teacher. Teacher what was the one thing that was holding him back from entering into the kingdom of God? He didn't recognize the creator. That's it. At 830, I'm like, oh, 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 there it is. He didn't recognize the creator. He's staring straight into the face of the Messiah. And the one whose job was to recognize the Messiah when he showed up did not recognize him. He missed his one opportunity to do his job well. What is it that may, almost, he was almost there? What kept him back? He didn't recognize Jesus. See how it comes back to? You cannot live in purpose until you've encountered the provider of the purpose. You cannot enter into this purpose that you just wake up going, God, is it today? Like, what are we doing? Do you realize? I think Spurgeon said this. It is our opportunity. Like God has given us this gift to exhaust ourselves for the cause of Christ. And yet how often are we so exhausted we can't even engage in the cause of Christ? Now I get it. Some of you guys are parents. Me too. It's hard. Isn't it? Aren't you guessing? Me too. Like every day. Is this right? I don't know. Hope we don't screw them up too much. Go for it. Some of you guys have little ones. Oh, my gosh. You don't even know your name right now. You haven't slept in, I don't know, 22 hours, 22 days. It's gone crazy. You're like, Brian, I barely have time to change diapers, let alone change my clothes. So what if it's this? This is what we do. We look at Moses. We look at Noah. We look at all these people who have these massive, huge purposes that God called them to. think, okay, every purpose has to look like that. What if it has less to do with what you accomplish and more about the people that you raise in your home? What if that's your purpose? Now, it doesn't mean we get to get lazy. It's like, okay, good. I don't do anything else. No, no, no. But what if, what if your call right now, because aren't there seasons in life that come up? What if God is saying to you right now? Your main purpose. You see those little ones in your home put so much kindling about Jesus around their heart that when the Holy Spirit decides to ignite it, it just goes crazy. Welcome to your purpose. Think about it. You can either wake up and just raise your kids or you can wake up and say, Jesus, what are we doing today so that I see my boys become followers of you whose faith outlasts mine, is bigger than mine and I feel convicted of my lack of faith. Which one sounds like a purpose? Raising kids or discipling them to love Jesus? What do you want to be part of? You see how you connect it all to Christ and how without a relationship with Christ there is no purpose? Dads! If you got boys, think about the task, the divine call, to raise your boys, to be men after the heart of Jesus. Man, I can get into something like that. Do you see how it connects? He says you lack one thing. You're almost there. You didn't recognize me. Can I ask you, have you? Or is Sunday morning just a place you come? You spend time in the Bible because it's a discipline. It's like, oh, no, I spend time because, you know how many debates I get into? Because I need to make sure that people understand that my point of view is right. Guys, if you are, most, if you are the most versed person in the end times, awesome. Don't use that as your first key to evangelism. Because people are going to sit there and go, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And in reality, you probably don't either. Are you sure that when you're spending time in the word it's not just so that your doctrine can be fine-tuned so you can win the argument or are you spending time with God in the word so you can spend time with God because you love him? Because I'm convinced of this. You spend time with God in his word because you love him and he'll fix your doctrine. He'll take care of it. First and foremost commandment, what? Just love God with everything. Then love your neighbor. Just make sure you recognize the one you're spending time with. When you look at Paul, I remember I mentioned him? This is his life verse. As he's writing from a jail cell, in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, he says, for me to live is Christ. What a statement. That's it. For me to live is Christ. To die? Awesome. This, doesn't he sound crazy? It's like, for me, today, to live is Jesus. And if I should die, woohoo! He's not depressed, guys. This is written from the letter known as the letter of joy. Look, wait, look, look at the explanation of why he says it. Verse 22. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Did you catch that? If I'm to go on living, I get it. I'm supposed to work. Like this whole thing about living for Christ, with Christ and by Christ. I have a ministry, I have a purpose. He gets it. He says, I'm supposed to go on living? I got work to do. That means fruitful labor for me. Which, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. What's he want? To be with Jesus? Oh, Me too. Doesn't that just sound fantastic? To just rest? Oh. But I'm not dead yet. So here's, I'm, I'm going to give you all something real quick. Like this is your nugget. Some of you, you've, you've gotten to what's called retirement. You don't have to work. Isn't that great? So like, and it's fantastic. I think it's wonderful. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and the purpose and the calling that God has had, That he has on you and has on me. There's no such thing as retirement. You're retired from the call that God has put on your life when you're dead. Until then, live out his purpose. And when you die, you get to see him. First thing, you see him and hear him say, I cannot believe that you loved me like that. Welcome home. This isn't home, friends. This is the closest to hell we will ever be. But man, there's a whole lot of people that this is the closest to heaven that they'll ever experience. Oh, we gotta get them. We gotta get them. Do you realize there's a whole generation, there's a whole younger generation that a lot of times sit through a lot of churches. I'm so thankful this church. I think there's such a huge, strong emphasis on youth and kids, and I just sit there and go, thank you, God, How many young people, and there's probably even some that come through here, they sit and go, I cannot wait to get out of my house so I don't have to do this anymore. And we should be spending all of our resources building into this next generation so that they can't, at the age of 18 or whenever they go, on their own, they cannot say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus because of this church that I was part of. No, no, we give them such an amazing experience in God's church to be part of God's church that even if they decide, I don't want anything to do with this, I don't want to be a part of that church, it's not because of this or anything that we did, it's their own decision. And we cannot keep saying, well, if they would just believe because our generation, this older generation, it is our job to pass it on to the younger one. And we got to go after them. It is not right that between six and eight out of every 10 leave the church when they turn 18. It is not right. Welcome to your mission. God's purpose. I'll close with this. Famous last words of every preacher, right? Jesus, because he knows he has all authority. He's about ready to ascend. You've heard it before if you've been in church. Any amount of time. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I'm in charge. Therefore, because I have all the might and all the right. Therefore, because I am God of the universe. Go make disciples. When we do not do that, we sin. For we are telling Jesus, I will not do that. Go make disciples, disciple, in another word for disciples, follower. Go make followers. Baptize the followers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I sit there and go, Isn't it huge? I mean, isn't that just a big task? That's too big for me. That's too big for us. And then he gives this amazing encouragement in the end, doesn't he? Oh, by the way, Ah, you remember me? The one who measures the universe with the span of my hand? The one who spoke everything into existence? The one who owns everything? I'll be with you to the very end. Yeah, I don't ask you to do it alone. I'm inviting you to come with me to experience what? His purpose. I'm telling you, I don't want to get to heaven sitting around with a bunch of other followers of Jesus. Hey, what are you in for? How'd you get here? Um, I had a really good quiet time. And then I died. What'd you do with your life? Uh, I read the Bible. Oh. Hey, how'd you get here? Um, Yeah, I was thrown into a pit with a bunch of lions because I love Jesus and they ate me. Oh, wow, you win. (laughs) Got a whole bunch of people that don't know Jesus. There's a whole lot of followers that do. Followers of Jesus. Here's your purpose. Here's our purpose, mine included. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor. Just win them to Jesus. That's it. You're specific? I don't know. I don't know what it is. You'll learn that the more time you spend with God. Can I pray for you? Jesus, thank you for your word. And I pray that I've followed your lead. God, anything that's not of you, just of me, God, may we forget it. Everything that is of you, may we apply it. And be so convinced about it that we cannot rest. We have to keep going because of the passion that you've given us to live out your purpose. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. And I thank you for their heart for you. And God, the ones who are here that don't know you, God, I pray that right now they just confess you as the Lord of their life. Believe that you died on a cross, came back from the dead because of our sin. You paid the penalty, and they'd be forgiven as they surrendered to you. Jesus, thank you for giving us purpose. Not just heaven, you give us purpose. God, may we pass that on to those who don't know. So God, thank you and all that has happened and all that you will do. To you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says... Amen. If you like prayer before you leave, prayer room right over here on my left, your right will be open. Please do that if you'd like to. Other than that, guys, have a great week. Love you guys more than you know. We'll see you next week.